This episode of Architecture is brought to you by the Rode Microphones. Since building our studio, we teamed up with Rode Microphones because we wanted the best in microphones and Rode offers professional broadcast quality. We have been using the Rode Procaster now for a few months and the audio quality is amazing. And the Procaster is one of the best mics for podcasting. To get more information on the Rode Procaster and Rode's other microphones, go to Rode.com. Internets. Los Internetos. Oh, man, we are back in the spaceship for another episode of Talk of Texture. Super producer A. King, how you feeling, brother? I'm all right, man. I'm chilling, man. I'm still, uh, it's a lot going on, man. You still what? You still on. trying? You still trying still to process bugging. Kanye? No, nah, I'm st- well. Pause. I'm, I'm still trying to process Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to see that over the weekend. Okay. Um, uh, I was amazed, very amazed. You know, by the entire movie mm-hmm. had, had me. Yo, I wonder who's the rap Thanos. Mm. I always think about who's Joe Budden. The nah, no? nah, not, nah, nah, nah. He's not. Nah. Okay. I kind of think Fifty might. Still be there. Well, fifty. You know what? That's a good point. That's a good point. Because I feel like after fifty, nobody could really. I mean, fifty had got shot x amount of times. The only person that could kind of come close to fifty was that time when DJ AM hopped off that airplane when he was on fire. Shit. That was the only thing that could come close. I mean, think about it. As a as a as a hip hop artist, you got to get shot more than nine times to outdo fifty. So that's like getting what, hit. What, with, what could you do? That's almost equivalent to all the Avengers coming at you, right? And he still twenty one savage. He ate those. He ate those bullets, right? I'm I'm just saying. And now he got the power. He got the gauntlet, literally, mm-hmm. and the gems. Okay, well, I haven't seen I haven't seen the movie yet. He took he took yeah, a gem from Jaru. He took a gem from who else? He took a stone from. He did take a gem from Jaru. He, he took t- that. He took he that cut whole. The, he cut the gem. Yeah, that's, that's equivalent to three. <laughs> so, <laughs> yo, I, I just like Fifty Cent as the rap Thanos. You I know, agree. I like that shit. That shit is fire. That shit is fire. Like LeBron is the best NBA Thanos. <laughs> Le Thanos. Lebranos. Lebranos. Gy, how you doing, sir? Groove, man. I'm I'm blessed, man. I'm, I'm peaceful. Dig that, dig I that. To, I had to uh, evade the, the oil man on the A-train the other day. I didn't know he still exists. He'd he be trying to hit you on, on your wrist, man. Yeah, he's still around. He's still, he's still around. around. <laughs> yeah, it'd be much love, but I had him with the dap, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, see, I see where your spirit is right now. You got your bull starter on. Hey, you know, you got know. Midwest guys in here today, man. I have to go ahead and rep, rep my shit. Okay, okay. All right, uh, Boggy Jesus. What's going on, Boggy Jesus? Yo, I'm feeling fucking blessed. Yes. I'm just feeling fucking blessed. Barkies, I I love your style, man. You come through, man, just real, like, just relaxed, casual, pajama pants on, house slippers, chilling, coming from an art house, coming from an art auction house. Have you nah, just, did I you actually, just buy some art? Well, my friend's aunt um, is heavily associated with this auction house, and she, you know, dropped these books off for me. But I, I've been to several, like, Phillips events and auctions. Um... I don't want to get into that, but Benny the Butcher. We, we just shouted out Phillips, though. You just gave Phillips a shout out. 
Phil, Phil, Phillips chilling. All right. <laughs> Phillips chilling. Phillips chilling. What more can we say? Joy the Great, how are you, Joy the Great? I'm being glorious. I'm feeling good tonight. Internet, I feel like Joy the Great this weekend got her washing set done. <laughs> it's looking super crispy. All right. So y'all already know what that means. <laughs> Talk nice in them DMs, Internet. Talk nice. <laughs> In those DMs. I'm messing with y'all tonight. Yo, Dallas, you we matching kicks today. Slightly lightly. <laughs> I gotta tell you something. These these Timberland uh three eye uh boat shoe with Watch the rugged them. bottoms. I hate these bitches. My my parents <laughs> made me why the fuck did I put these on today? My parents <laughs> made me wear boat shoes when I was a little kid and they gave me blisters. <laughs> I hate these shits. Yeah, they're not real comfortable. But I put them on because they're, they're a fucking look. And I was at work today, and I said, you know what? I want to give this fucking look today. But I forgot that I hate these fucking shoes. So I'm going I'm to go home with them. Oh, Yo. I was about to say, they look nice. You look like you Those back in them, man. Don't ever say that, King. Don't ever say Eastlands to me. That's like saying interwebs to me, man. That's, that's a lot of disrespectful. Don't ever say Eastlands. Eastlands ain't cool? Never. What about Rockport? Even Lens Rockport. In. Even Den- Rockport. Densolitz. Even Rockport. L-O-B's. None of that. None of that. If it ain't got if it ain't got the Timberland tree on it, if it ain't made in Italy, listen. Damn. It ain't, it ain't, Damn. I'm not really fucking with it. Get your allowance up. Sheesh. For real. Now, I mean, you can go to Paragon and get some shit on sale. Don't. Now, don't give out no stores. Don't give out the cheat. <laughs> hey, Boo, y'all give out some cheese, man. Yo, every time. When he posts his links about Marshalls, I'll be mad. I'm like, don't you tell him now when I go there, <laughs> it's gone. The size, my size 12 is gone. Yeah, 12, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Because yeah, you. you know yeah. they only had like two. They only had two in style. Size 12 is never around. He always did that shit after he bought his. Oh, no, no you, you better do it after oh, you bought yeah. yours. Like, you better do it after I got you bought mine. Because you, you don't understand, the internet is wild thirsty. <laughs> Wow, rightfully thirsty. so. Right, rightfully so. But I mean, get yours first, and then you can let people know. Because you got yours. Yep. You know, but definitely, definitely, I'm all, I'm all for people to flourish anyway, though. And true story, I got enough anyway. It ain't even about that. Yeah. The kid yeah. got enough, man. The kid is definitely blessed. Well, it's good to see y'all, man. Tonight, man, we got a, a we got a real special show going down with an old friend of, of the show, an old yep. friend of the, of, of the Combat Jack Show spaceship. Man, good to see this brother, man, looking fit, looking, looking like, man, looking like a bag of money. <laughs> All right, nothing better than looking like a bag of money that you don't have to declare taxes on. Church, you know what I mean. You could look like a bag of dicks. Damn. I only said that because that's Brother Christopher's like tagline. I damn. I I didn't say that. Nah, that that jacket fresh as fuck, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This boy, this boy came to us clean tonight. So, internets, listen. we gonna get right into it. We not here to hold your ears hostage, but you are here for the Talk and Texture podcast. So let's hop right on into it. Yo, what's up? This is Royce to Five Nine, and right now you checking out the Talk a Texture podcast. Yeah. Internets, oh, internets. I'm glad y'all made it back for another episode of Talk a Texture. I'd love to give y'all a, a rundown on what's going on in the world right now. I'd love to talk about Jesus. I'd love to talk about Kim Kardashian. I'd love to talk about. But tonight, this episode is not for that, because tonight we've got one of the premier lyricists ever for hip-hop. We've got a super student who became a master, and he is right now rhyming in his prime. 
Mm. Pretty soon you're going to hear the book of Ryan and you're going to understand the journey that this man has been on. Internets, we've got my brother, Royce the 5'9". Yo, yo. What's up, fellas? Detroit. Ma'am. How are you? What's good, Royce? Hello, hello, hello. Royce, good What's to up? see you, brother. Thank you for that intro, man. I mean, you're looking fantastic. Thank you. You're looking, you know, well-traveled but not worn out. <laughs> yeah, I got to work on the well-traveled part. Okay. I don't want to look like I even... I don't want to look like I'm tired or nothing like that. I just want to... You ever look at your kids and just be like, damn, man, you look so good. <laughs> you know, they're so shiny. Well, I, I, that's how I feel. You, you look to me like you came off a Lear. You look like to me you came off a, a nice plane. I came off a Delta. Yeah, see, now, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't got that coach look. You know that coach good, look? Good, You know, where you, where, you, where you was in the back of the plane and you had to wait for everybody else to get off. You've been and, dragging your bag through the airport. Right, <laughs> right, know right. That look. right. You ain't got that. You got that, like, like yeah, someone held your bag and you was on a nice, intimate plane. Well, thank you, man. Thank All you right. very much. I appreciate that. So, um, I mean, before we, we get into the, the new project, Book of Ryan, um, Prime mm -hmm. and Prime 2 were, were tremendous examples of your skill set. And, I mean, but, you know, just, just the whole camp that you come from, um, incredible, incredible lyricists. But you really, you really showed, you really, I guess, took it up another gear. Because, I mean, even, even in the Slaughterhouse Project, where where you dudes were, were almost trying to outwrap each other, um, I don't feel like you pushed you put the pedal to the metal like you did for Prime. Mm. I mean, what what was the genesis for for the for the Prime project? Prime was just um, I wanted to take it back to just beats and rhymes. Um, it's kind of like a reintroduction to me. Um, I stopped I, well, I stopped drinking right before the Prime album. So anybody who follows me knows that I'm I'm like well documented and talking about how much Patron that I used to drink. So I just decided to stop. You know what I mean? So when I decided to do so, I wanted to go back. I wanted to paint this picture of young Royce, Ryan Montgomery, just showing up to the open mic with his girl. Just me and her showing up to the open mic and rapping for other rappers. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's how I fell in love with Hip hop, not hip hop, but the art of creating within hip hop, you know, so, you know, that was my first love. So that was the first facet of my style that I kind of, I don't want to say mastered, but I kind of got into a comfort zone with, I got good at that. Mm -hmm. Just that part of it. Mm -hmm. Just rapping against rappers, rapping for rappers, impressing other rappers, gaining respect from my peers. Yes. Um, and, and I mean, Prime, Prime is that project too. Prime is that rapping for rappers. It's the safest project I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> safest, safest project I've ever done. You ever, like, if you ever look at like a very commercial artist, a commercial radio artist, and all they do is just make cheesy, cheesy radio records. Well, the same thing applies to somebody who's known as a lyricist all the way on the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. If you just rap, stay within a space where you're just rapping. Mm hmm. And you got somebody like DJ Premier providing a sound mm. bed. He's not like pushing himself in any type of way. He's just being DJ Premier. And mm -hmm. I'm just rapping. You know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to like play with a whole bunch of concepts or try nothing new. Just really safe. Not really leaving a lot of room for scrutiny. Mm -hmm. If you just into lyrics. Right. If you're not into lyrics, you probably won't listen to the album at all. Mm -hmm. But if you're into lyrics and you listen to the album, all right, cool. Shit, what, what, what is it to 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just safe. And it was that way on purpose mm-hmm. because I knew that I wanted to get to this album, which is my most personal, and I didn't want to come off of that long layoff right into all of this deep shit about myself. Mm-hmm. I figured I'd take you on that whole journey. So that's where Prime, the first Prime, came from. Dig that, dig that. I mean, and, and the features weren't overdone. It, it was, it was, it was a rapper's rap album. Yeah. I mean, I really, I, I, I listened to some of the, the the lyrics and I said to myself, I'm, I'm a big lyricist fan also, mm-hmm. and I just get amazed when I hear somebody take like a polysyllabic word, a long word, mm-hmm. and, and put it into a bar because I say, shit, like, like, what's he gonna do now? Mm-hmm. As soon as that that long word comes, out, I'm like, oh shit, what, what what's he gonna do? And yeah. and you skillfully manipulated throughout the album big words. I listen like that too. I listen like that too. Like I, I analyze as I'm hearing the bars unfold, and I'm listening. I'm listening for the setup line mm-hmm. because you know a lot of a lot of MCs like they could be punchline rappers, but it doesn't mean they're good punchline rappers. Like some guys, like they can think of a punchline, but the way they set it up is whack. Mm-hmm. Like the line before the umph line mm-hmm. is like, oh, that's what you said to set it up. <laughs> it's almost like they was just rushing to get to that line because they to get knew to the it was a stinger. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only the masters can think of the right line. It doesn't even sound like you're going into a punchline. Mm-hmm. Fab is real good at that. Mm-hmm. In your in your master's class that you teach, <laughs> in your master's class, what's what's one of the the What's one of the first lessons that you give to a young student? Um, I would probably suggest probably trying to master one thing at a time. Like, don't get too ahead of yourself. You know, like, nothing, no need to be in a rush. Mm-hmm. Like, when I got into the game, I was real good at just rapping, like, just the art of rapping. Like, you can put me in any park in any city in the world in a cipher. And I'll do well. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll survive. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the first step. Before I can actually develop into an artist who knows how to make albums, write songs, et cetera, Marshall had already put me in the business. I didn't even have I didn't even have a choice. It wasn't like I was like, Marshall, can you put me in the business? It was like, this is my dog. Y'all need to hear him right now. <laughs> Boom. Royce Gold. Million dollar deal. Boom. See you later. Wow. You know what I mean? So all of my development took place going from deal to deal to deal. Mm-hmm. And just listening, you know, paying attention to what's going on, um, studying people. And eventually I just came into my own and just started learning, like, all of the different mechanics and shit like that. So, so I didn't start using pun- – not to cut you off. Mm-hmm. I didn't start using punchlines until this mixtape I had called Bar Exam 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bar Exam 2 is when I finally fell into a zone where I knew how to use punchlines because I was always scared to use them as a go-to. Because I told myself, if I ever develop the art of punchlines, I'm going to make sure I go in and out of it. I don't just make it my thing because I don't want to do that all the time. You don't want to be a punchline it's, rapper? No, because it's, it's too many other moving parts in creativity. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be put in that box. So I was like, if I do it, I, it can't be corny because the worst thing you can be as an MC is searching for a punchline mm. and it's corny. Mm. That's the worst type of rapper you could be. Shout That's worse than the rappers <clears throat> that can't talk. <laughs> if you think you're nice and you don't realize you're saying corny punchlines, that is the worst place you can be as a lyricist. Damn. As a so-called lyricist. Because nine times out of ten, you're in a position where people are not telling you the truth. Right, right. You're, you're actually on an island and don't even you're know fucked. it. You're fucked. Yeah. 
You fucked. So, <laughs> so you 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 mentioned uh, getting in with M and having these. You know, I don't want to say you were privileged in a sense, but the story is not common, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of the relationship coming in, how'd you not get lost? Like a lot of rappers who come in and have that access, they get lost with the access, like you know, with the money. How did you maintain your hunger and your, your drive to be now become one of the best to this day? Um, you know, from that time. I appreciate that. I mean, I I'm, I had moments. I ain't gonna sit here and act like Mr. Perfect. Like I just you know like I just stayed so sharp and focused and you know, made sure I stayed hungry and didn't take shit for granted. I acted like a kid, you know, when I got into the business. I took my relationship with Marshall for granted. Shit, I took sitting next to Preem for granted. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, when you throw a 19-year-old kid in a situation where my first trip to California was because I was living with my mom and dad and I was sitting at the desk in my room writing something down and my father comes in the room and say, Ryan, somebody named Dr. Dre on the phone for you? Shit. I turn around like, excuse me? Somebody named Dr. Dre on the phone for you. I get the phone. You sup? It's Dre. Your Marshall played me your shit. I like it. I don't know if you want to come out here and, and help us out work and work on this album. So my first trip to Cali, my first trip, second trip on an airplane <clears throat> was to California to work in this mansion. First time I ever seen a mansion, ever been inside on one. First time I met anybody who was famous aside from a couple basketball players to play for the Pistons when I was a kid. And um, I worked on a classic album as a writer. And I didn't even really know how to write songs yet. You know, so, I mean, that's a lot to put on a kid, you know, especially from Detroit. Didn't have a lot to pull from. I didn't have, like, a lot of artists that came before me rap-wise from my city who, you know, like, was known for national notoriety. You know, so, um, and then, you know, I got a million-dollar deal, and it was like, that was a big deal to me. Like a million dollars was like rich. I mean, that is a big deal. That for a kid, that is a big deal. Yeah, it's a big. It was a big deal, and it's like it. It will go to your head. Sure. You now, know what I mean, like it'll go to your head, and then you like the way that dollars. this industry is presented to you, man. It's like it's rolled out to you in a way, almost like it's the devil. <laughs> it's almost like it's the devil tempting you, like to distract you from what the what God's natural intention is for you mm-hmm. that's what the record industry is mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like there's tons of opportunity but there's way more distraction and fuck shit you know what i'm saying so as a kid without guidance you're doomed mm-hmm. it's set up for you to fail it's no you get no information right you don't get health insurance you don't get a pension you don't get life insurance you don't get an estate set up for you you don't get taught financial Literacy. Literacy? Mm-hmm. You don't get taught anything. You learn everything through trial and error. Mm. You don't even get put in a position to where you get a lawyer that you trust. Oh, you meet a lawyer when you get your deal. Right. Rather, this is your lawyer. Rather you can trust them. It depends on how much you walk away with. <laughs> Shit. So it's like, it, that- it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not like all glitz and glamour like people think. The glitz and glamour side of it is the devil, all of it. Everything shiny about the business is the devil. What it's you the- just mentioned about getting a lawyer? That's like that's like when you're in bookings. When you're in bookings oh, no. and, and oh, you go to your public defender. Court appointed, yeah. You basically got a public defender 
who might be cousins with the judge. Man, you get mm. the wrong public defender, you fuck around and get more time than you face <laughs> <laughs> You know, they, they convince you you did, you did the shit. Right. So, so Royce, it sounds like your career, like, um, I'm a fan, so, like, thank you. Um, one of my favorite tracks with you, from you was, was on Layers, Tabernacle, mm-hmm. when uh, you're talking about the birth of your first child and mm. your grandma passing away that same day all while you're having that show when you meet Marshall mm-hmm. so it feels like your whole career you've been dealing with the good and the bad yeah from the very beginning yeah so I, it was like a, a setup yeah like, like, I f- like leading you to it. it it's it's funny you mentioned that song that was the first song I wrote when I got sober and I um when you're drinking every single day you don't really reflect you know what I mean so when you stop something that you've been doing for so long like your brain just starts functioning like it starts clicking on all cylinders, and boy, is it scary. Oh, my God. It was, like, so crazy to me. Like, I start getting all these memories that, obviously, I never thought I would get again because I was just like, whoa, that did happen, didn't it? You know what I'm saying? Like, all of these memories and the way I was able to put everything together, back together in that song, it was like a puzzle piece. And um, while I was actually living through it, I wasn't even conscious of it. And it just it's it's just it's just a testament to like it shit like that probably happens to everybody. Like the universe probably speaks to everybody. Everybody just doesn't have like the wherewithal to be able to see it or pay attention to it mm-hmm. or just have enough faith or belief to just even you know what I mean? Like you gotta open your mind up at least enough to be spiritual on that level to be able to see these signs. You know, like I, I honestly feel like I was being guided in a certain direction and the things that got me off of that path is the shit that I've been talking about the devil's work mm. damn you know what I'm saying was it really the fifth floor and the ninth floor yeah it was That's deep. it was <laughs> tell me about the clarity because because that sounds scary right now this clarity that you get when you stop drinking because because now I mean I mean what is alcohol but a depressant also and it's kind of numbing you so so now you've got to take on some pain that you were probably numbing for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't necessarily know that you are. Because I had my first drink with Dre at 21. Mm. You know, so I mean, I it was in a party setting. It was like this little party he was throwing for Marshall. And um that was my first drink. It just just so happens that the way that I'm wired See, the way that my craziness is set up is, like, if we all go to the bar together and we all order drinks, I'm the guy who, you know, after the bar is closed, I'm still like, hey, give me another drink. I want more, more, more. I want a drink on the way home. I want a drink when I get home. I'm the one who can't stop. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's just like I had to deal with that shit, like, on my own. You know what I mean? Like, I took it, I took it in overdrive. Took it in overdrive. I started with Jack Daniels. Then I started drinking Bacardi straight with Marshall, Bacardi light straight. That shit was disgusting. <laughs> and then I found Bacardi Limon, and that's when I got into my group. That's Bacardi Limon is when I got in all the trouble. I remember that Bacardi Limon wave, too. That bottle was even crazy. <laughs> that bo- Once you saw that bottle. Bro, you know how many people I hit with that bottle? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, man, I was just, uh, I was so bad. I was so bad. So, I mean, you're not drinking anymore. Now I'm telling you that you're going to have to confront 
pain, like you're going to have to deal with the pain that you were numbing for mad years. Yeah. Who's who's the first person who's who you had to look in the face of? Is it is it your your parents, your wife, Marshall? Who's the person who you you had to confront first? Confront? Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Other than yourself. Yeah, I don't remember having to confront anybody other than myself. Um, I know uh, dealing with my wife, that was like a long journey mm-hmm. back to normalcy. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's pretty normal around my house now, but she, she's dealing with a lot of hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I put her through a lot. See, the thing to save, like, my marriage was her family with Jehovah Witness. Mm-hmm. So I got, like, real, like, Real fuzzy memory. Well, not fuzzy memories. Real, real clear memories of like the first time I went to her crib when she was still staying with her parents, and her dad was was living. He's 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 deceased now, but when her dad was living, he used to be upstairs in the room, and her mom used to be downstairs on the couch, and um, they were basically not together, mm-hmm. but together. Mm-hmm. Like divorce wasn't like an option. I don't even think it was on the table. I don't even think it was something that got discussed. Right. My parents went through hell. Like, my parents, my dad, you know, used to beat my mom. They went through hell. My mom, strongest woman ever. She stayed. Mm -hmm. So I never witnessed that kind of dysfunction. She never witnessed that kind of dysfunction, even though it was a dysfunctional situation. Mm -hmm. But the kind of dysfunction where the family is split apart. Yeah. She never witnessed that. It was always a unified front. Like, when they did family things, her mom and dad would be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I come over. If I call her Miss Hamilton, she would say, no, I'm Miss Stokes. Mm-hmm. You call me Miss Stokes. Mm-hmm. She still wants you to refer to her as her her real last her, name. Her maiden because name. Because this is her husband. Okay, okay. Which is, which, is, which is admirable, you know. So, um... This is what we, and me and my girl, we pretty much raised each other. So this is what we grew up seeing. So getting a divorce wasn't really an option. It never was on the table. We never spoke about a divorce. But I put her through hell. Mm -hmm. Put her through the ringer. Yeah. So if anything, I know she tough. Okay. I know she tough because I beat her up real good. (laughs) Not physically. Not right, right. Literally, literally. Mm -hmm. Okay, no me too here, internet. Nah, nah, she ain't got to worry about that. I broke that cycle. Okay. So, all right. Great, yeah, sober, fantastic, but I, I'm concerned because it, again, I I don't drink, and I found that when I stopped drinking, I got into sugar. You don't drink no more for loco. <laughs> no more for loco. I heard you got the last case from, from 04. <laughs> when we when we was when we were still when we were still getting lit like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would drink anything. I, that was the thing too. See, at least you had you were a discerning drinker. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the most part. But I mean, if I ran out of Patron. And I was somewhere, and I was drunk enough. Or I could drink anything once I'm drunk already. Okay. Oh, then then there it is. Yeah. I mean, that's. I was that's... just a wild nigga, man. Wow. <laughs> Super wild, bro. Detroit. Detroit, baby. Detroit. So I mean, what did you replace? Because I mean, so many years and so much, so much intensity. What did you replace alcohol with? I just got. I switched my whole lifestyle, man. Like mm. I, you know, like once I took alcohol out the equation. I turned into a, <laughs> a whole fucking different person, bro. Whole different person. Like, certain things wasn't funny to me no more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I started dressing different. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I started liking different things. I started not liking certain things. I started not liking certain people that I had around me. I started getting rid of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I started like seeing people for what they really were. Like my judge of character became impeccable. Mm-hmm. And um, I really like to work out a lot, you know? So, I mean, that's one thing that I took on. I, I can say monster energy drink is something I drink. I go through binges. I drink, I still do addict shit. Like I was telling y'all off camera, I do addict shit all the time. Like I binge out on sweets every now and then. Okay. You know, like if I eat a cookie today, it's a muffin tomorrow. It's a cookie the next day. You know, by the time Friday come, I look back like, Jesus Christ, I ate cookies all week. <laughs> now I got to leave that alone. You know what I'm saying? Like I get on and off things still, but just no Patron. Dig it. Mm. Dig it. Dig it. Some, that's a lot of discipline. <laughs> still, the, still that obsessive personality. Yeah, that, no I mean, because that's, that's what it's always been. I mm. just never should have added Patron to it. That's why my kind has to stay away from drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. because of how I'm naturally wired already. Dig that. And my dad gave me, he warned me about that shit a long time ago. Dig that. Dig that. I mean, so, so what was what was an early obsession for you? Were you a, a comic book reader? Now, hold on, Internet. Let, let me give you a little bit of background on Royce. Coming from the city of Detroit and growing up in Detroit at the peak of its of its of the economic warfare that's happening in the city. So we're not just talking about the, the drugs that the government has, has put through every big city across the country, mm-hmm. but we're also talking about a, a major industry that's kind of held America on the map mm-hmm. is, is, is pulled out of the city. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's taken overseas. It's taken out of, out of you guys' life. Well, it was booming. It was booming when I was a kid. It was booming when I was a kid. It was, it was much later that the, um, that the car industry, that the um, the, the car industry kind of started declining. But as as a kid, like everybody, all my uncles, my granddad, everybody I knew worked at a factory. Mm-hmm. That was like the job to get straight out of high school and try to get into Chrysler, Ford, something like that. My dad worked at Chrysler for a while, then he switched to the post office because mm-hmm. that was a better job. But it's pretty much the same thing. You're talking about like these huge industries. That's a world within a world. It's like you work at these places, like these people, some of these people at these plants, they got whole separate families in the plant. It's like once they check and once they clock in, they in a whole nother world. They got a different girl, different kids. Every day. I'm serious. I'm serious. That's how that shit is. Well, man. I mean, you're there for 12 hours. Yeah, you're there 14 hours, like they, yeah. They, they have their own parties. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that plant life is a whole, that's a whole nother life. But that's um, a lot of people, that's what they aspire to be. They, they aspire to be that. That's like a. That's considered a great job in Detroit. Is, is and it, it is. It is. Is it still? Job. Is it still considered that? Is it still? Is yeah, it still, it's still. It's still a good okay. job for sure. Okay. Because sure. I mean, my, my understanding is that 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 got pulled away from the city in in the in the late nineties. Yeah, it's not. Sorry, it's sorry, just the, not many. The early it's, 90s. it's not as many available jobs, but there are still plants. Okay. There are still people who work at plant. If you work at plant, you get girls, bro. You get girls. Take it. If you work at plant, you get girls. So it's still it's still got that cachet. A lot of the guys who are in the strip, in strip clubs throwing the singles, mm-hmm. they work in their plants. They're like <laughs> firemen, they work in their plants. Maybe they policemen. Right, right. You know, a lot of it's not really like a lot of you know popping drug dealers out there right now. But but I gotta tell you, I, I'm in Detroit in 2003, and the way I see the city, the way I experienced the city, it it shook me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw skyscrapers that didn't have any windows in them. I saw I saw a homeless black men on the street. All hours of the night, pushing shopping carts filled with shit. I imagine filled with with all their worldly possessions, all over the place. I mean, mm-hmm. I I thought I saw a city. I thought I saw the destruction of America. Right. 
Is that, I mean, was was I just imagining that? No, it was just the way you seen it. It was the way you seen it. I mean, it's, um, I may see it a little different because I just, I live there. So it's like I've I seen it in many different forms. It's definitely got way worse since 03. Mm-hmm. It's got wow. way worse and then now it's better. Okay. Like our downtown, because that was downtown where you seen that, right? Yeah. There. Our downtown is like way more gentrified now. A mm-hmm. um, whole lot of new construction. A lot of new shit in the works. We got a new uh, arena, Little Little Caesars Arena. Okay. Um, bringing in a lot of revenue. We have um, what else do we have? Well, well, Cass so- Corridor. I was thinking of in particular. I just was on Cass Corridor recently. Cass Corridor used to be a spot in Detroit that was known for homeless people to like live. Like my mom took my kids down there. And they and they passed out like food and stuff to the homeless and passed out like these bags and stuff that they made up together. So anyway, it's not like what it used to be. They like they've built stuff there. Mm-hmm. Now you see like white people walking around because that's just, it's pretty close to Wayne State's campus. So you see college students walking around, and it doesn't look dismal, death like and violent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's slowly changing. Right. It, slowly it, changing. It was like the set of Escape from New York. Nah, it's, it's way better now. Okay. It's way better. So you said Little Caesars Arena. I mean, so y- y'all ain't got to go out to Auburn Hills no more. Nah. Okay. Because nope. they had to- I mean, it's in, in this, in this, uh, we still got the palace. What? Well, wait, do we got the palace? Did they tear the palace? No, they tear down, they tore down the Silver Dome. Okay, we still got the palace, but now we got Little Caesars Arena, which is actually located in Detroit. In Center City, yeah. yeah the, the palace is in Auburn Hill, so that's like outside. Right, right, suburbs. And then Ford Field is in Center City too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ford Field is brolic. Yeah. Ford Field was brolic. Okay, so so again, I'm I'm what I'm really trying to get into is, is these things that that fill your mind up, fill your eyes up and and put you put you in the position to even be next to Marshall when he says, "Man, this is my guy this is this is you know he's he's rolling with me he's with me mm-hmm. what is what is influencing you up to this point um as a lyricist as a as, as a, a person? person as a person um shit what breakfast cereal you like <laughs> fucking cartoons did you watch what was the obsession? well captain crunch i mean i that's everybody's favorite cereal right i'm assuming um captain crunch it, it, I, I, Fruit Loops, but yeah, yeah. I mean, don't judge. Don't judge. I used to be moody with it. Fruit Loops is cool, but they're not the same. My Fruit Loops is and eh. Fruit Loops is not the same no more, bro. No, bro, no, you no, had, no. You had some recently? No, matter of fact, the last one I had that that wasn't the same was Frankenberry. It does. It, yeah. it tastes. It, it, it's changing everything. Yeah, it's fucked I up hate now. It. I hate it. It's fucked up it. now. Yeah, Captain Crunch. I love um, Golden Grams. I loved a lot. Um, that's a product of like Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. He Man, GI Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, I speak about on one of my songs on my album called Power. I speak about um, one Christmas. I don't know what the hell happened, bro. I don't know if my dad hit like a lick this year or something. <laughs> but bro, we had like well in the song, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing in the song and I'm painting the picture. So in the song, um, I had my father do the sound bite. Like you want what for Christmas? No, nah, this all you got. This all you getting? Because that happened most Christmases. But this particular Christmas that I'm talking about, we got everything. We got. You remember um, Castle Grayskull and Snake, Castle Mountain, Grayskull. Snake Mountain? Yep. We got both of them. <laughs> normally, you would get one or the other. If you could get any Normally, you might just get Battle Cat. Yeah, exactly. We got Battle Cat, Adam, and Cringer. Damn. He-Man. We got 
all of the GI. It was like yo, your dad, it was like your dad it was had a least, number. Your dad had a number, bro. It was at least <laughs> it was at least three four hundred dollars worth of toys. Mm-hmm. Toys, mm-hmm. you know, toys ain't shit, but four five dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like if it was that back then, this was the '80s. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it was. Um, we got. I don't know what the hell happened that Christmas, but we got that. So um, I talk about that on this song. And uh, my my little brother getting a pair of fake Timberland boots. Oh man! <laughs> and my mom my mom took the Timberland boots, the fake Timberland boots, and put them in gr- my big brother Greg's Timberland box because he got a pair of Timberlands. And her theory was he won't know the difference because the fake Timberlands look exactly like the real ones. It's just not the tree on them. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> oh my god, this is so bad. It was so bad because <laughs> he got them and was like fucking gloating like. I got Timberlands. Where your Timberlands at? And he yep. just kept saying the shit to me. And then I just, he was too young to detect sarcasm. So I just was like, where the fuck your Tim's at? You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> me and Greg, me and my big brother, we just be laughing at him. And he ain't know what we was laughing at. And it was just like, my father played the role like, Judy, you going to let him, you going to let him walk around like that in them damn things? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just like those kinds of memories stick out to me. Did you ever and let I him, talk about him when he got older? Did he ever find out the truth? He found out when he was young. Damn. He found out when he was young. <laughs> yeah, he y- some... y- y'all don't even wait. For, y'all don't even wait. Y- y'all yeah, let him know. It was just after after a certain amount of jokes. Yeah. It was just like. <laughs> he found out before the Damn, y'all let me rock the insulates <laughs> out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he had Wonderlands. <laughs> yeah, so he got, he got fried up at school, too. Yeah. He got fried. That, my that's, mom don't realize you can't trick. You may be able to trick him, but you're not tricking all the kids at his school. Nope. Right, right. Hell no. Nah. Life don't work that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Life don't work that way. I, I love that, too. I mean, parents would give us that that uh, that bootleg La Tigra, that, that bootleg Lacoste. Think about it, though, man. It's your, it's your dad's job to be prideful and be a provider. Mm-hmm. And it's your mom's job to finagle everything. Yes. To work magic. Yes. It's her job to just kind of, like, keep the kids happy, make sure that they got not everything that they want because that's not even a possibility. Right, right. But enough stuff to where she can, you know, they can they can feel like that they got something and she's still not being outdone by certain shit-talking bitches that live in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, yeah, I got little Jason a feel coat. What you get Ryan and them? You know what I mean? Like, she, she, she hated that shit. It was mm-hmm. always a competition everywhere. Same with my dad going to work. You know, so even like with making, <laughs> making some of the songs on my album, it was like, I recorded everything that I was thinking, and then I basically scaled back some of it. Like my dad wouldn't like this, so let me take this off. Mm. Cause I'm he gonna have to go to the post office and he, you know, I can't lift a finger without him going to work. Yeah, sing your son on uh, allhiphop.com. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's like I gotta watch what I do. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. That's dope that you still hold that that. You know, that responsibility, too. Bro, I got the toughest daddy in the world. My daddy will whoop everybody's daddy's ass. Mm. That, that's, Forever. I mean, that's how I felt about my dad, too. Right. I mean, he was known. Matter of fact, when I was about to go get my ass whooped, cats in my neighbor was like, damn. Like, like they was all like, like cats would definitely, like, you know, shed a tear for me. Bro, for real. They yeah, knew was I was same, about to catch it. It was the same with me. My dad used to come snatch me off the basketball court. Of course. <laughs> You, 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 let, you let a street light come on? Yeah. You remember that scene? Royce, you fucked up. You remember that scene from Boys in the Hood where he was like, he was like, get your punk ass brother, bitch. I'll get my daddy. At least I got one motherfucker. Like, I felt I felt that shit spiritually. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, not only could I go get my big brother, who was two years older than me, but he's a lunatic, I go get my big brother and I go get my daddy. If I get my big brother and my daddy, 
I take a country to war. Yeah. That's how I felt as a child. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that was just it was just y'all three. Now I had my little brother. I had my little brother Vish. So it was us five. It was us five. My mom, my dad, me, Greg, and Vish. It was us. It was the five people family unit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then my two younger siblings came later. My younger sister came when I was seventeen. Okay. Right. So you don't hear about them much on the album because they didn't. They weren't. A, they weren't a part of. They missed all the crazy shit. Like the way my little sister talked to my dad. I can't even fucking take it. <laughs> I'm like, bro, what is your problem? Mm-hmm. You let her talk to you like this. It's like, yo, you're not even the same person no more. I'm right. disgusted with you. Right. <laughs> Leave me. <laughs> Leave me. And then, you know, like my youngest brother, he talked back, and it's just like, yo, y'all don't even know who y'all talking to, bro. Yeah. This nigga will murder you niggas. He will murder y'all, both of y'all. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like he he's so caught up with, like, trying to let everybody know that he's evolved into this zen <laughs> old man. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's still crazy, though. I think I love- all younger siblings have that luxury. Yeah, like the older siblings, they took all the ass whippings, yes. they took all the punishments, we they got took war- everything. We got, we got wore whooped. Out. We got so whooped. they don't have to. Right, we wore out our parents with yes. ass whippings, mm-hmm. so that yes. the younger siblings don't mm-hmm. have to worry about it. Internet. I mean, while we're here vibing, um, we got my man Chuck Creekmore right here. Chuck, how you doing, brother? What up? What up? I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. Oh man, like a like a like a fly on the wall, right? It's great conversation. For real. Seeing Royce do his thing, shooting thirty foot jumpers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Definitely. So so let, let me uh, skip around in, in in the timeline a bit. Um the Slaughterhouse Collective. The potential that the Slaughterhouse Collective had still has really, but the idea of this Supergroup, because this was never done before. Supergroups got put together with people who were grew up together, mm-hmm. and and this was like you guys were like a um a team like a like a Dallas Cowboys or a Lakers team with with the illest free agents were were acquired by a general manager and put together, and it's like okay, figure this game out and win every time you hit the court. There's a lot of pressure in that, and I and I kind of felt like you were were, I'm not gonna say the the band leader, but I kind of felt like you were the you were the 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 guiding force within that group. Uh, the person with maybe not the least ego, but the one who could at least sublimate your ego enough. For everybody else to be extra. I never heard that word before, but go ahead, continue. <laughs> sub sub what? Google that shit. <laughs> Sublimate. <laughs> Sublegate. That shit is going in a verse somewhere. Yeah. Right? I was about to say. Do you feel like that? Do you, Do you feel like you were were, were the, the glue for these guys? This ragtag bunch. Um, I think that that's a uh, that's an interesting assessment. Um, you the first person who I ever heard put it like that. I do feel like that I had uh, I had a relationship with all of the guys that all of the guys didn't have with all of the guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I was connected enough to each one of them where um, I was cooler with each one of them than they were with each other. Mm-hmm. Put it like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm second oldest in the group. Um, 
I did have to express leadership qualities throughout the process, especially in the beginning. Um, so I guess you could say I'm kind of like that. You know, everybody has like kind of a role. I feel like that we uh we were we were the most effective when we when we stuck to a formula. You okay. know, in the original the, the original protocol and this didn't this wasn't planned and that's one of the things that made it special. It just kind of happened like this. I was kind of the one who like would start the records. You know what I'm saying? Like I would, for the most part, pick the beats. For the most part, not fully, but a lot of times I would stockpile the beats. I'm just always going through beats. I'm just always starting ideas. I'm just, it's just what I like doing. I love it. I love new ideas. So um, Crook jumped everything off. He sent me Lyrical Murderers. That was the very first song that we did, you know, after we announced that we were a group. So um, he sent me Lyrical Murderers and that put like a battery in my back. It just got me excited. So when he sent me that, I laid that and I um, start just laying a bunch of ideas, laying a bunch of ideas. And um, I was sending them back to Crook and I was sending them back to Crook. And we developed like this little method where it was like I would start some shit, send it to Crook. He would toe tag it and send it back to me. And he he had his own studio at the time. Well, he still does. So he was the only one with his own studio. So I knew I would get a verse right back from Crook because when I'm right in the moment, Man, I need to hear somebody's vocals now. I don't want to hear, yo, I'll get it back to Next you. Next week. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I send it to Crook. I know he's sending it back within a couple hours. I could wait at the studio for a verse back from Crook. Mm. So um, that became the formula, me and Crook. And then we would get them to Joel and Joe, and they would get the shit back to us when they when they could. Mm -hmm. And it usually would go Joel first, and then Joe would finally hear everybody's verse and then be inspired, and then he'll go. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that kind of became the Slaughterhouse formula. So that's how we did the, the whole first album. I went out to New York after we stockpiled a couple ideas. And then in a week's time, we did the rest. I just got a bunch of beats, start laying a bunch of ideas. Crook would come in, toe tag it. Joel and them would hear it. Boom. They'll lay some shit on it. And we just got it done quick. We got it done quick. We didn't do a lot of thinking. We wasn't having meetings about shit. Mm -hmm. I hate meetings. Nice. I fucking hate meetings. Meetings are the devil. It that's means, another it, thing. That's what, another what thing. What gets done at meetings? A bunch of motherfuckers talking about what they about to do. Nothing. <laughs> what they about to do. I don't, man, listen. I, listen. I, man, I had a conversation <laughs> with my son <laughs> about meetings. <laughs> this motherfucker told me he had a meeting because he dropped out of college. And he told me, he, you know, I'm going to pursue music full time. And I got a meeting in Cali. I said, boy, don't you come here with that M word. <laughs> you got a meeting with who for what? You know what I'm saying? Like, man, the worst thing you can be in this business is one of them niggas. Oh, man. Talking about what you about to do. Mm -hmm. Man, everybody in this business got a great idea. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, in order for Jay-Z to acquire title, he had to step outside the realm of a fucking meeting, man. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of niggas mm -hmm. had an idea to, to get their own streaming service. I'm sure a lot of niggas said, oh, I'm going to start a network called Revolt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of niggas said, I want my own network. Yeah. But Puff said, I'm going to go make this shit happen. Right. We going to talk about this, but at some point, somebody has to pull the trigger. Right. Every nigga's out in the street talking about, I'm going to kill him when I see him. You ain't really about to kill him when you see him. That shit sound good, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I hate meetings. I just hate meetings. You know what I'm saying? So, um... We didn't. We didn't do a lot of meet. When we did, when we did meet, it was mostly management just running off at the mouth mm -hmm. about possibilities of things. Mm -hmm. I hate possibilities. Give me concrete. Yeah. 
Let's make some things happen. happen. Let's go, man. Let's go. Because while we're sitting here contemplating, somebody else is dumping out the window and we dead. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I just, that's just how I feel. I mm. feel like we're wasting a lot of time by doing that. So, right. So, you, you want to be in motion. You want to always got to be in motion, yes. man. Yeah. Got to be in motion. I don't have time. My time is like more important than anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm willing to invest it. I don't care about money. I've never been on no type of money chase anytime I've ever done anything for money. I regretted it. And I ended up spending said money before I can get out of that situation, whatever I wanted to get out of that situation. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I set my sights on accomplishing certain goals and the money just always ends up falling in place. Mm -hmm. You know, so we didn't do a lot of thinking at the beginning. You know, we pulled the trigger on that album. We didn't, you know, like have a bunch of meetings on how, what songs we using. We said, this is the album we throwing that, we getting that shit out. Let's Mm go. Mm -hmm. We got Rock the Bells, let's go. What we doing? We putting costumes on? All right, cool. Roll Joe out, let's go. It wasn't like who who going out on stage first. I'll go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I like I like I like um um you heard we merge. I can't even remember what the name of that song is, but I like that song being first and I'm first on it. I have no problem going out first. I have no ego. Let's go. I go first. Who coming out last? Joe? Fine. Let's go. But you do have an ego. No, I don't. No, I don't. Not 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 in that situation. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying you right. So you're you're able you're able to push it back to really give these dudes an example of how to get out there, bro. It's like it's like this. Like you 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 walk into that situation with an ego as a lyricist, just as an open mic lyricist. You walk into that situation with an ego, feeling like I'm nice. Mm-hmm. I'm nice. You know what I'm saying? I'm probably nicer than these niggas, but we about to see. Mm-hmm. And then you just realize you wasn't as good as you thought you was. It's the same thing that happened to me when I went to the hip-hop shop for the first time. Mm. You know, I was fresh out of high school. I rapped in the hallway a couple times. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had niggas gassing me up at the park telling me how good I was. And mm-hmm. I walked in there. Elzai was in there. Marshall was in there. And I was like, all right, I ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's just like I quickly learned reality. You okay. know what I'm saying? So it's just like... Ego, smigo. Like, what is this word? It's fucking fairy dust. It's like mm. a word, you know, they created just to fucking control mm. artists. You know what I mean? Like, and, and maybe even to hold people back. Yeah, man, come on, whatever. Maybe, <laughs> even, maybe even to hold you back. Internets, I've been using the Rode Procaster for six months now, and I'll tell you what, I've never sounded as good as I do right now. And listen, I've been podcasting for a thousand years. You know how crappy I used to sound. Now listen to me. Glorious. To get more information on the Rode Procaster and Rode's other microphones, go to Rode.com. That's R-O-D-E.com. Take your podcast to the next level with Rode, and now back to the show. So, so, so you, I mean, go, go ahead, Joy. But it's like when you, you, when you have a talent that you have and you're confident in what, in what your abilities are, if I come on first or last, my, my, my skill set, my lyrics are going to speak for themselves. Yeah, it don't matter, and I think beyond ego, you could call it ego. Maybe that's the bigger ego in itself. Like I'm so nice, my verse is so nice. I'm gonna come out first, and y'all gotta top that. Yeah, I mean, I, and I wasn't even thinking that, but that's a good. That's a good. I mean, I, I really was just looking at it like, what's gonna make for the best show? What's gonna make for the best show? What's what is the crowd gonna enjoy the most? You know, um, what when we're making the songs, how can we make the best song? Everybody knows we can rap. How can we make the best song? Like, if I write a verse first and I set up Crooked to come kill it, ain't that kind of his job at that point? 
Right. So now his role in the group is to be the hitman, and that's what he did. He he, he played that role well. So at this point, I'm not even thinking about out rapping crooked. I'm letting him mm. do his job, and I'm doing my job. Joe is his job is to be the wild card. You know, be the guy that's fucking staggering on stage just a little hair too late with a cigarette in your hand. And nobody's telling him to do that. He's just being him, but it works. And that's that was the beauty of the group. Joel comes in with the comedy that you never knew he was that funny. Yeah. But he's basically like a lyrical fucking comedian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, the dynamic just worked, man. It's special. So when you start talking about doing business, and um, everybody kind of does business differently, you're talking about an expiration date. Mm. 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 Nothing personal. It's nothing personal. It's just business. It's yeah. just business. If you if you decide you want to take the group to a machine, which is that's what everybody wanted to do, so I, I said, let's go. Fellas, I'd like you to meet Marshall. Marshall, I'd like you to meet fellas. You know what I'm saying? I introduce y'all. And then, you know, a few years later down the line, you know, once the you know, the novelty of of the situation wears off and then Joe says, Yo, let's let's take the group somewhere else, we can get some more money somewhere else. I don't have a problem with that, but I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm worried about damaging some relationship with Marshall. My nigga, that's not possible. So let's take that out of the, let's take that out of the equation. You know what I mean? Like let's take the whole me being industry and I just want to guard my relationship with Marshall. He's my fucking friend. First of all, second of all, I'm just a solid person. If I, I, when I do business, if I sign a contract and say that I'm going to deliver an album, I want to deliver that album. Yes. Right. I've been dropped from labels because I tried to turn in an album and it wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 on that I'm on that page. Like I wanna I want that challenge. Yes. Yes. I'm not chasing a dollar, a dollar, a dollar, a dollar every time I go into the studio. But even even still, you you're on something even heavier, which is fucking integrity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's no yo, that's no like no shot, no, no shot, shot. But no, you, no shot. I'm talking about you personally. No shot to Joe. This is yeah. how I yeah. like to do things. Yeah. Was that a I love Joe. I love Joe. <laughs> he has his way that he does things. I don't have to agree with everything that he says and does and how he wants to do business. Right. I'm not here to change how he does business. Right. All I'm saying is if we're in a group and we don't agree on business, that's problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know so, what I mean? So like, real quick, none of the guys knew Eminem? Nobody. Nobody. Okay. Nobody. And that wasn't being you wasn't being hypothetical that scenario. What's that? Sort of like sort of house going somewhere else. Well, yeah, that's what that's what Joe said um, in a recent podcast. In one of his recent podcasts, he said yeah, uh, I don't. he said that he would he would consider coming back from retirement and rapping with Slaughterhouse if we would be willing to take the group to Empire because we can make more money over there. Mm. So. The fans were like, "Yeah, why, why, why you don't want to go, Royce? Why you, why you trying to worrying about your relationship with Shady?" And it's just like, bro, it's not that I'm worried about my relationship with anybody. That's just not how I move. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel comfortable moving that way, man. You know, like I gotta be able to look myself in the mirror at night, man, and be happy with what I see. Yeah, I can't go through life burning people. You know what I mean? Like, it was all good mm-hmm. when we signed the contract. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was all good when we accepted the advance. It was all good. You know what I'm saying? Like. Damn. Well, like you said, when the when the novelty wears off, now you just have business, and and you what you have is your word. Yeah, what well, Joe said. Joe said publicly. He said on everyday struggle, this shit. We don't fuck about no contract. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he's wild like that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that makes him special. Mm-hmm. Like he's not. It's not like he changed into that. Yeah. He's always been that way, and that's the the wild card factor that he brought into the group. Yeah. 
it just so happens that right now where we are right now, it's not working for getting the album out. Mm-hmm. So I got a question. Y'all did a, the last album y'all did, which is unreleased. I guess it will never be released. It's, yeah, it's called Glass House. Glass House, uh, executive produced by Just Blaze. Yeah, I believe it had like four producers. Just Justice Blaze. League, Justice Justice League, Just Ill Blaze, Mind. Ill Mind, Cardiac, Cardiac, A Rap Music, uh, DJ Khalil. Right, that's mm, what Khalil Beast. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Knots, knots on that. No, I think we got knots. Yeah, we we definitely recorded some stuff with knots, but we didn't we didn't get to a point where we where we were choosing exactly what we were using. Right. Um, we do got like an active body of work that's really good, and it's like we just we were at the point where it's like okay, everybody in the group just kind of agreed. Okay, we just need to do a little bit of touching up. So maybe we add a another couple songs maybe take something off or just record a few new things just to compare and contrast kind of freshen it up because me personally i felt like the mood of the album was a little bit mellow and melancholy Mm -hmm. it's a little dark Mm -hmm. um probably because we were all at like different phases in our life at that point i had just got sober Mm -hmm. joe had just got sober you know um it was like right after the the album you know that was highly criticized you know, we just came back on some totally different shit. And it was like, like, like I said earlier, it was like a lot of, a lot of switching up of the formats. Like a lot of, you know, Crook was starting a lot of records. Joel was starting a lot of records. And it's really dope. It's really dope. It doesn't sound like our original formula, but I really think the fans are going to love it. But it just was almost there. So it's just like, we just needed to find that one week or two where we can all get together and just finish it. And we cannot find that week or two. Mm. And now we at the point where Crook is saying he out of the group, and Joe is saying he retired. So it's just it's it's tough, man. How 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 important uh, is the base into factoring that? Like f- the reason why I ask this because I was privy to hear like two or three records. I didn't hear whole records. I heard like your verse in Crooked. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Just Blaze. Sorry, um, <laughs> and I felt like it was. I felt like Pac was reincarnated oh. through you guys. Like the aggression, the attitude, and I feel like that not being out here is a, doing a disservice. Me as a fan, number one, fuck all the friendship shit. Just not, it's just a rumor, and I'm like, yo, that album. It was, it's that, <laughs> it's the shit that we always, when we look in our uh, iTunes and Spotify, like, damn, why, what, what am I missing today? And I think that that was that could have been it. Do you think that? Put it to you like this, bro. Does it matter? Like, how, how much you does your base matter? You know, in factoring, like, yeah, fuck no, it, let's just, just put just, it out. I mean, as far as my involvement, like, as far as the way I feel about the fans, that that has nothing to do with what the reality of the situation is. Like, I really, yo, I'll drop. If it was a reality that we can get it done, I wouldn't stop rolling out Book of Ryan, but I would make time. Mm to go i got a studio we don't need we don't need shady's budget to record the rest of the music i got my own studio okay studios all them niggas got to do is fly to detroit Mm -hmm. right you know what i'm saying so it's like one thing about slaughterhouse is like it's been times and this goes back to my relationship with everybody okay yes i do have a relationship where i can talk everybody in the group into doing whatever this is true this is true but i don't want it to be like that Anytime that we've twisted anybody's arm to do anything, <laughs> it didn't come out feeling like how it, how it feel when everybody's yeah. just all the way into it. 
So that's the field that I'm looking for. I'm looking for everybody to be into it. You're looking for everybody to get that spark and that motivation. Yeah, that, that's it. That's DP, it. Listen, man. I, they owe him. They owe him, man. But, but I got to tell you something. When, when, when Joe was, was having static years ago with Ray, who I, was he was ready to throw hands. He's ready. To, he, he didn't care about no OG shit. Right? I, I got to tell you something. I mean, you don't I have can. to touch on that. I'm just speaking from a fan perspective. I mean, listen, man. I'm just speaking on what I saw. Listen. And I saw a young Detroit Bull ready to throw hands with Capadonna, whoever, whoever was there. I don't just think because, Cap was there, boy. Just because of the brotherhood. Nah, not Capadonna. I'm just being a hype yeah. beast. But just because of the brotherhood. I don't care who was there. I wouldn't care who was there. I mean, it, it's just it's like this. With me, loyalty is just it's one word to me. You know what I mean? So, Joe... Joe had is you got the good and the bad, but if you decide you're gonna be somebody's friend, you just accept them. You accept the good and you accept the bad. Mm. You know, so the same way that people kind of poke fun at me and make jokes about the way that I'm loyal to him, it's the same with him. You know, like I love the fucking Wu Tang Clan. You don't think I want to have beef with the Wu Tang Clan? <laughs> right. It's like some of the guys that I came in this game, pretty much worshiping. Mm -hmm. I mean, I spent a lot of time like behind the scenes, like talking to people, trying to squash that shit. You know, like, just, I care about my dude. I understand him. You know what I'm saying? Like, we started off our relationship the same way. He he said some shit about me. And I always knew he was going to have some type of career in media. <laughs> he just, he just like, it's his natural personality. It's just what he does well. Like, he, he knows how to say things to spark up controversy. And he doesn't always mean to, like, get under people's skin in that way. And I think sometimes he... He's a button pusher. But he he doesn't always understand the magnitude of like um the way that people will feel about the shit that he said. He thinks that some shit that he says will go under the radar. Oh. Like this is you saying this, bro. It's not like it's just coming from like a regular person. See, Royce, I disagree with that. I, I feel like Joe is a button pusher. And and he's he's deft. He's skilled at at First of all, understanding, just studying people and understanding, okay, here's how I'm going to upset somebody. Here's how I'm going to rile somebody up. Mm -hmm. But also, like, man, listen, I'm going to fucking put this bomb right here, and I'm going to watch it go off, and then I'm just going to step away, and y'all going to y'all gonna try to figure out, yo, did he just put a bomb right here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and it's like, yo, I don't believe he just did that shit. Joe is just a, he's just a dynamic dude, man. He's a dynamic dude. I, I got a question. Did, did y'all ever – Put your um, slaughterhouse in a in historical context. Like, for example, when you got like, say, hip hop was going this way, and then DMX came, and then it was like, all right, we're gonna go this way. You know what I'm saying? And hip hop started to stray, right? And then slaughterhouse came. It didn't really pop, and it just kept going this way. Did y'all ever think of it like that? Like, where y'all could change the course of hip hop musically? I, I think that was more so like. Um, a lot of the fans just kind of saying, okay, this is the void that you guys are going to fill. But um, it kind of came together just through a song. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't really... Our most magical moments was when we weren't thinking about all that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, when once we started to, like, be business about it, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we're going to go this direction, and we're going to nail this, and we're going to... And once we started putting too much of our brains in it... Mm -hmm. That's when all the misfiring started happening, you know, but the the platform was there. And I mean, you know, like, in my humble opinion, it did pop. Yes. Like, we did, we were doing Nokia Theater. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. If that's not popping, 
Yes. I don't know. I don't know what is. You no, know no. I mean, it, it, it clearly popped. It clearly popped because it was filling a void Definitely. that that we need. We needed somebody to come in at that time, and and um and kind of pick up where Wu Tang had been. Yeah. Which was which was a a, a group of four different voices. N- no, some commonalities, but but dissimilar really. Yeah. Each one skilled. And just like, oh shit, like yo, I, I mean, I gotta go back and start writing things down again. Yeah, no, I think, I think the reason why it went to where, as far as it went, but because I, I don't know um, if we reached our ceiling, and I think that's what, the, that's where the fans kind of need closure. Yes, because mm. it's like if they can make it to Nokia Theater, how much more could they have done if they had just kept going? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And we just abruptly stop, and it's largely due to the fact that I got sober. Mm-hmm. I take, I take blame for a little bit of that because. Right after the al- the album came out on Shady, I want I decided to get sober. I called the guys and just told each of them, and they supported me a hundred percent. I love them to that to this day for that. You know what I'm saying? Like that first tour that we were supposed to go on, I said I couldn't go because I didn't feel strong enough to be out there and trust that I would be able to stay away from drinking. <laughs> like on the road was like my that was like my main time to get fucked up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I had to pull back from that tour. That slowed things down, and then we, when we decided to go back in and do the album, that slowed things down because it was like Joe was doing the reality TV thing. He was coming in the lab, but we didn't have him. Like we didn't have we didn't have him for the amount of time that I felt like we needed him. And you know, Joel was kind of going through some things behind the scenes with some with some other with some other of my people. They they started together and then they started having like a little bit of a falling out that affected things. Joel was only coming to the studio for a certain amount of time, and me and Crook was just feeling like, damn man, we living in New York and we here to do this album and we barely seeing our niggas. You know what I'm saying? Like it never was a problem with us, but that synergy that we used to having and that brotherhood just wasn't. It just didn't feel the same. But. The only thing that was saving it is the music was just coming out really good, man. Mm-hmm. It was like still second nature. Like Joe can just pop in for a minute and lay some shit and it just fit right in like a puzzle piece. It's scary, man. It's scary like the heights that it probably could have went to if we just had it kept going. But I also don't feel like that everybody had that vision for themselves mm-hmm. to like be in a group. We, I mean, we did that shit for seven years straight, bro. Mm-hmm. Wow, seven years straight after being in the game as solo artists. Yeah, so how much how much of each other's time did we really think we were gonna have? Right, you know what I mean. Right, I I mean I think y'all still got a little bit in the tank, but it's but it's it's gonna be interesting how it plays out because you you've stayed in motion. Yeah, you stayed in motion with the prime projects. You you're still in motion with the book of Ryan. Mm. We all are. We, we all are. We all are. We all in motion. I mean, yes, yeah, yes, indeed. Yes, yeah, indeed. It's just, yes, it's indeed. Just, you know, it's just, it's just different. It's just different ways that we're doing it. You know, um, when I did the first Prime album, all the guys went, all the guys went and did albums with producers. You know, and it's just like, I salute that. You know, they all did great projects, but shit, man, we could have, we could have spent that time finishing the album. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just little shit like that. I just kind of wish we could get back as a group. And um, Slaughterhouse is just one of those situations, man, where it's going to take what it took in the beginning. It's going to take an investment of time mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. without thinking of money. Mm-hmm. Like if you if everybody's willing to just come together, bite the bullet for a minute, bite the bullet for a minute, invest a little bit of time. The money will come later. You know, the, the brand will start generating money again. The, the brand, when we walked away from it, it was generating a lot of money. 
<laughs> so we can get it back to that. It's just going to take some time. Everybody's not willing to invest that time. So to go back to your question yeah. about the core, about our core audience, shit, I love our core audience. If I could make everybody, you know, be on that page, I certainly would, you know, I, but, you know, I, I just, I got too much respect for the guys to ask them to do something that they don't feel comfortable doing. I think it can happen. I mean, anything is possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anything I, anything I, is possible. I, I think it can happen mainly because of, of the work that you're doing right now. Yeah. Uh, again, as, as a leader and, and showing by example, let, let's skip, let's jump forward to the book of Ryan, mm -hmm. because here's, here's, it took a minute for you to put together this, personal like like this is like i mean if you were an r&b dude this would be your like usher this would be your confessions that's that's accurate the memoir that's very accurate that's very accurate <laughs> yeah it's like i um you 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 feel it if you've ever been through anything you know i did an interview this morning with the breakfast club and um it's like are you worried about are you worried about like appealing to the kids and i'm just like the kids bro the kind of pain that I've been through, mm. I don't really, I don't really expect a lot of kids to connect with it. Mm -hmm. You got to live a little bit of your life first to really, really get it. But my thing is you can grow into it. It'll be there. Mm -hmm. It'll be there when you, when you're mentally there, the music will still be there. Timeless. It's Timeless music. Folk. Hopefully. That God willing. Yeah. Not, not hopefully. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> when, when you talk about that pain now, I'm, now I'm hype, more mm -hmm. hype. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I want to get into the pain. Yeah. It's 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 not just pain, though. It's pain, but it's also like Bob Lobo. That's a happy song. You know, that's that's speaking about a happier time. This is a J. Cole you know? record. Yeah, I was just so, I was so happy. Rapper. It was just so, it was just so good for mom and dad to just get along for a whole day. Um, It was an opportunity for all of us to get in the car, take a ride. Listen to the electrifying mojo. That's that's said the entertainer talking at the beginning of the song, by the way. And um, he's basically playing the role of of the DJ, and he's supposed to sound like the electrifying mojo, who was like a um, midday DJ, who was like legendary, legendary voice. Um, he would play all like the smooth songs, and my dad spoke really highly of him. And my dad told these really cool stories and shit. So it was just like the whole feel was just dope. You know what I mean? And um, I talked about Bablo is an island and is located between Canada and Detroit. And it's um, on the Detroit River. <clears throat> so it's basically an amusement park that's on the island. And we would take this boat ride over. So we didn't know what was more popping, the actual boat ride or being on the island. Mm -hmm. Because everything went down on the boat. Mm -hmm. Everything. All the parties, everything. And, you know, just going to the island getting numbers from girls and this was like the 80s and the 90s like it was there into the late 1990s so this is when we had to like get numbers from girls and like the girl had to write her number down you physically had physically had a number in your hand on a piece of paper something tangible that you can fucking touch not follow me on instagram but a number you ever wrote your number down for somebody yeah those was the good old those days. Those was good days, yeah. So, you know, like, those kinds of memories is just, like, what what that song kind of, like, brought out. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was a lot of painful times. I touch on that, too. But I touch on everything. Mm -hmm. uh, Ayo, to that, I mean, 
Sorry about that. We're internets, man. We gotta. If we don't get a pause in, <laughs> we didn't do our job. Here. Wait, what I what I say? You, well, you touch on everything. Oh man, y'all. Yeah, no, listen. Internet, internet. Was that a thirsty pause? That was. We gonna let the internet decide if that was thirsty. Why are New Yorkers so homophobic, man? It's not even homophobic. It's just what is it? It's just when this gets transcribed down the road. The aliens that are read this be like, oh snap, Royce touched on everything. Yeah, but that's not that's not the real reason, bro. Like I, every New Yorker I know, I'm, everything not getting transcribed. This is just a podcast. What about outside of here? Like every New Yorker no, I no, know, no, you gotta no. watch what Royce, you say. You around gotta me. blame you gotta blame Cameron and Cam Dipset for that. I believe that. And, and Dane was the first person I heard say that shit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You gotta blame them, man. Dane was the first person I heard say that shit. So they started the pause thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. When y'all gonna let it go? Is what I want. <laughs> Um, it's time to let it go. Because in Detroit, we talk freely. We don't. I don't even. But a quick story: When we had LL on the Combat Jack show, uh -huh. first thing he said, he said, "Yo, I'm so glad I'm here." <clears throat> And, uh, around a bunch of men who play the pause game. <laughs> he was elated. So it's like, you know, right, it's right. just, it's not. So it's like part of y'all culture. We're not homophobic. It's just. Right. I mean, I mean, it's, how could, it's fun how boy could shit. we, as, as black people. No, no, no. The reason why I say that, not to cut you off, yeah. is because not only do New Yorkers do the pause thing, but bro, you tell a New Yorker, suck my dick, you're oh, going to no. die. No, no, no. You're going mean, to die. I that, mean, that's. Well, yeah. Y'all treat that like Detroiters getting called a bitch. Don't call a Detroit nigga a bitch. Okay. Damn. Don't call a Detroit nigga a bitch. Don't tell a New York nigga to suck your dick. Mm -hmm. And you especially better not do it in jail. Mm -hmm. Tell a New Yorker to suck your dick in jail, you're going to get cut. Oh, yeah. Oh, they might. That's, no, without, no, that's no. without a doubt. Well, you you inviting a man to your... Yeah, but that I, New York was the first place I heard that. Mm -hmm. You don't invite no man to your private... I never heard that phrase <laughs> until I came to New York. It's like, yeah, we, New Yorkers don't fucking play you, that shit. Usually, at that point, the person who said that is willing to accept the consequences that come. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you call that's a girl true. a bitch, that's like your go-to. That's like your go-to. It's like, all right, this is getting out of hand. Now I got to call her a bitch now. That, it's, the <laughs> it's the same way with New Yorkers. It's like, I'm about to tell this guy to suck my dick, man, because this shit is getting out of hand. It's like, now nah, I got to really, really push yeah. his buttons. You right, hear right. that collective, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I got I to gotta elevate it past that civility. You know, um, one of the one of the records uh, we listened to earlier on uh, on the Book of Ryan uh, was outside with Robert Glasper and Marsha Ambrosius. Mm -hmm. Marsha Ambrosia. Yeah. Why do I always pronounce the name wrong? Um, where you have a conversation, you, you you have it's, it's like you're writing a letter to your son almost. Yeah. Um, like how how did you even get to that point? And then the way you crafted it to to, to the end where. You're like, yo, I still bust your ass and ball up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, how do you even get to that place where you can have an open dialogue and be so sharing about, you know, daddy-son shit? Yeah, well, um, throughout the album, I kind of wanted to, um, like, I think a lot about a lot of the decisions that my dad made and how that shaped me, the type of man that it shaped me into. And, um... Like, you got to realize when you look in your kid in the face, you look in your decisions in the face mm. as they grow. Mm. You're just staring at your decisions. You're staring at everything you've done. You know what I mean? So it's like with my dad, like when I talk about these things, he hasn't heard the album yet. So like when I talk about these things, it's like when he listens to the album, it's going to kind of force him to look at a few of, of his decisions that he made. I just hope that when he hears this shit, he's proud and not offended. It's just it's just the reality of it, and there's other people 
you know, who like went through this similar shit. They had similar upbringing that they can relate. And um, so throughout the album, my son is interviewing me. So I had him do like a skit where I said, you can act, just ask me anything. Ask me any question. I'm not going to tell you what to ask me. Just ask me any question. And we're going to make it like you're writing a paper in school about somebody you admire. And then he and we end the skit with how can I write a paper on somebody on my dad and I don't even know who he is. Because essentially this game took me away from him for a long time. Like when I, whenever I showed up, it was just in the disciplinary authoritative mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't teach him how to ride a bike. I didn't teach him, you know what I mean? Like I didn't see his first steps. I didn't see him born. You know, I missed out on being a father. But as far as being a provider, that was always taken care of. And I quickly learned the difference between the two. So um, at the end of the, the skit, he ends it with the first question is, who are you? And then it goes into the more serious songs on the album. So before you get to outside, the song you spoke right. about, he asked me, do I ever get afraid? So basically on this song, I'm just talking about all the things that make me afraid. And the second verse is kind of like an open letter to him. And it's basically just saying, I'm afraid for you to drink. Yeah. I'm afraid. I mean, you heard the verse. Yeah, so it's yeah. just like, and then at the end, I just wanted to kind of end it with something that's indicative of how we speak to each other. <laughs> you would never, ever better than me in basketball. <laughs> ever. That was dope. That, that ending reminded me, like, it was so Biggie-ish. <laughs> like, yeah, the that. way Biggie flipped that, they range got told, they double parked by a hydrant. Yeah. So like that verse was going somewhere, and then you took it to the you'll never ever beat me in basketball. I, it just brought me all the way back, and I'm like, like curveball, right? Like, it's, it's, it's like this is why I fuck with Royce. Like you playing that shit outside. I'm Thank like, you. Why I fuck with Royce. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I just I try not to just try not to be predictable. I didn't want to make the song so sad, but it's very difficult to talk about that kind of shit, and not at least you know with me, not at least get a little bit of emotional with it. You know, I can't, you know, you can't be too macho when you're talking to your son about something like that. So parts of it is emotional, but I wanted to end it on a high note. I wanted to end it on a happy note. Um, And there's a lot of spots on the album to get like that. Some of the spots get a little bit dark. And whenever you hear dark spots on the album, I make sure to come right behind him and brighten them back up. Because I don't want it. I don't want the album to be to be perceived as dark. But but I feel like it's 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 a, a bit of a catharsis for you. It's a bit of a like a cleansing it is. You. It is. You know, so I mean, yeah, it's going it, it's going to be a little dark. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little dark, but I mean, that's you getting the toxins out. You yeah. cleaning cleaning your system out. Um with this album, wh- where does it put you business-wise? And I and I never like to go into anyone's wallet. I'm not going into your wallet per se, but but where do you see yourself post the book of Ryan? Um I mean, you you you'll always remain a shady artist. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm signed to Shady, um, in the in the capacity of just being in the slaughterhouse. That's it. You know, I'm I'm, yo, bro. I've never had, <laughs> never had major label. I've never had major label money put into me, from the promotion standpoint, other than slaughterhouse. Mm. Never. So like when people ask me, I think you may ask me this, Chuck. When we when we did our interview, you asked me, um, about being underrated. Like, do I still feel yeah, underrated? Yeah, yeah. 
mm-hmm. underrated or underappreciated. It's like it's it's so many it's so many layers to that now because it's just like it may not even be that people underrate or underappreciate. They just may not know because you know like I'm not I'm not being pushed the same way as you know somebody that's been on a major. You know, Joe has you know like over a million followers, but he also had a big ass hit record. You know what I'm saying? Like, even when I did lighters, it was like, oh, that's just Eminem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's like, so you know, I mean, it's 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 uh, the rest of my whole journey has been you know just me pushing, just me pushing. Um, any any indie dollars I can put my hands on if I was if I wasn't just putting my own money into it. You know what but, I'm saying? But Joe has all the other stuff going on too. That's not now. anything music related. Now. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. He's always been he's always had that extra cushion. You know what I mean? Like Pump It Up is like a classic. It's a classic record. You know what I mean? Like that's like Boom is like that for me. You know what I mean? Obviously Boom wasn't like a huge hit radio hit like Pump It Up was, but P- Boom is like that one record that kind of like follows me. Mm-hmm. You know where everybody's wondering, yo, is he going to top that? Is he going to top that? Like, is it is it is he going to come with anything that's going to continue to resonate throughout the years like that? You know, so I'm I'm fighting against that right now. Oh, always chase, always chasing it, almost like a you know, <laughs> always chasing that that super high, that super hit. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm also just like I'm 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 a creative guy, so it's like I'm going from one project to the next. So after I'm done with this one, I'm already like, I already been recording for the next shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I got my own studio now. That's pretty much what I like to do. So, like, I got, like, I got some shit that I'm so excited about that I just started. <laughs> you know what I'm okay, saying? Like, okay. And I still have shit on its way out that people haven't heard yet, this album. Mm-hmm. So I want to give people an opportunity and enough time to take in this album. Catch up, yes. And I'm coming right back. Yes. I'm coming right back. I'm not wasting no more time. I'm, and that's really the Detroit. That That's where the constant assembly line emotion spirit yeah comes in mm-hmm. just just staying moving staying not 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 letting the grass grow not letting the moss grow just just moving yeah i, I was talking to joining lucas recently he was like yo man you don't really you don't never like like whenever i talk to you it just don't seem like that you you really know who you are like you don't you don't seem like that you realize who you are and i was like why why you say that you just you, like you, you Royce the five nine, nigga. Like, <laughs> like you don't never stop and just think, like, God damn, nigga, I'm Royce the five nine. And I was like, hell no. Nah. Like I never stop and like smell no roses. Mm. I don't even know what roses smell like, bro. Like I do one thing and I just go on to the next, and you know it, it's either appreciated or it's not. But I can't even really like worry about it. I just got to just keep it moving. I, I gotta say something too. I, I mean, you, you're not five nine. I am too. You're like six. You're like six feet. No, I'm not. That's I, just his presence. I feel like I feel like inside inside the the lounge, Royce. You were six feet. <laughs> I, you think it's my presence? I don't know. Maybe it's my presence, bro. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it can't all be that he, Detroit hat. He, he had a he had a growth spurt. Yeah. I know what it is. You was talking to Chuck, and you thought you was talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Since we both boxing fans, you know what I'm saying? Hey. this is my boxing, boxing buddy. <laughs> You saw the fight this weekend? I didn't get a chance to. I saw clips. I saw clips. Let me ask you, boxing or MMA? Will will will, will MMA ever supplant boxing? That's so easy. That's, That's easy. real easy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> boxing all day, man. There's nothing like the sweet science. It's nothing mm-hmm. like the, But MMA is, is MMA is entertaining. I like I like MMA a lot. I don't love it, but I like it a lot. I follow it. 
but I don't I don't like beat myself up about missing fights. Like that Daniel Jacobs fight, I missed that and I was just like, fuck man. Like I recorded it and I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. But I it bothers me when I miss fights. Okay. Boxing matches. Okay, because I mean after Roy Jones and I shouldn't say that, but yeah. I mean I just feel like boxing has missed that that super polarizing, that super attractive. I mean, money Mayweather, super polarizing. But but I, I don't know. I I guess I'm I'm New York centric. And after no, Tyson cool. a lot of people feel that way, but it, it's me personally I don't feel like boxing has ever been a super commercial sport. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always been contained. You know, it was it was it was contained to only two promoters back in the day. Yeah. You know, like this is this is the the most promoters I've seen in boxing probably since I've been living. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, my earliest memories of boxing was just Don King and Bob Arum. I don't really remember. Was it somebody else, Chuck? That's all I remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. Don King and Bob Arum. So it was just like. And then prior to that, it was completely ran by the mob, you know, like fights being fixed and all that type of shit. So it's evolved from that. And um, for somebody like Floyd Mayweather to, to to make so much money is is amazing. But, you know, like for people that are casual fans and then to see what he's done and say, yo, you're boxing is missing, missing that. It's going to be missing that. Yes. Yeah. That's not something you're going to see. Yeah, I mean, too many uh, times. Ag- agreed. I mean, his his, his career is, is ridiculous. Yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna see fighters that are great. You're gonna see plenty of great fighters. Like boxing has a a lot of great fighters right now, but you know, all of them aren't meant to be super huge. You know, across the board pay per view stars, but they're gonna make a lot of money and they're gonna do great things for the sport of boxing. Mm. I, you know what? Now that now that you speak like that, I kind of think of you now inside hip hop as. As a boxer, I, I I condition myself exactly like a fighter. Okay, like I I live, I I treat rap, hip hop like a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like I don't just train. Sometimes I don't go to the studio and hit the clock. I don't say I'm going in for a couple hours. Um, I don't view downtime as downtime. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, if Keno tells me, okay, you home for a week. It's not time to go on a vacation. Mm-hmm. It's time to go home and figure out how to make the best of that time because I know I'm against young, wild rappers who don't even mix their music. They're just recording that shit and putting it out. Mm-hmm. I'm against the noise. Like, mm-hmm. they creating all the noise on the Internet, and it's my job as a 20-year vet to figure out how to cut through that noise mm. and not do corny shit on the side and just only rap my way into those positions. No, don't do nothing else to to, to get in that position. Whatever. No, no, and, no gimmicks. No gimmicks. No gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Just rap. Okay. But that's, that's evident in like even in your freestyles. Like you, you grab every moment that you're given and you make a statement down to the high Rihanna, and like you just classic. Thank you. you. That high Rihanna, like them new boys, them young boys, even you know what I'm saying. Like even you didn't know you didn't have to know who Royce the Five Nine was when you heard that freestyle. That that clicked. And resonated with everyone Thank across you. the board. Thank you. So very it's like much. every time you get on a mic, you 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 take that as your moment, and you can just tell like Royce don't stop. Yeah, I try to. I appreciate it. I mean, that's that's really all I have. You know what I mean? Like I I just can't. It's so many other things that people are leaning on to you know gain some exposure, and I just never been good at those things. You know, like even when you know even when naturally things happen. And I was just kind of like defending myself or defending some of my friends or whatever, whatever the case. 
I mean, that's just totally separate. That's just something that I was doing because that's the type of person either that I am or I was forced to be at that time, you know, but just sitting around trying to think of a way to gain people's attention. Mm-hmm. Just never, I just never been, it's not how my brain works. Cause the time it takes for you to devise a plan, you could be thinking of a, of a rap, something that's going to stick to the culture and really like, you know, like even if it's, even if it's a, if it's a verse with negativity in it, you know, it'll at least keep the culture moving forward mm. in a positive way. You know what I mean? So never not working. I try not to, you know, but, um, you got to find balance, you know, like you got to, you got to make time for your family. You know, I would love to just work all the time. Mm-hmm. I would love to, but shit, man, I can't do that and not see my daughters. It's like, they ask a lot of questions. Fuck, man. They like, <laughs> so intuitive. You know what I mean? Like, they need to know, like my daughter, my oldest daughter is nine and she needs to know everything. Mm-hmm. She has a need and a want to know every single thing. She needs to know where I'm at. She needs to know when I'm coming home. She needs to know why I got to go. Mm-hmm. She needs to know. She needs to be able to tell me shit because I don't know how to work nothing in my house. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I get there and I'm like, "Yo, where is this at? It's right there, Daddy. Look in that drawer, Daddy. Looking. You know what I mean? Like, it's her. She answers questions for my son. She answers questions for him. She's like his wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, she needs to know it. She just. It's just so crazy to watch them and how the girls are so much different from the boys. You know what I mean? Like, when my oldest son Roycey, when he was young, I used to just be able to just freely go back and forth. He never had a problem with it. It ultimately affected the closeness of our relationship, but we still got a good relationship. Mm-hmm. But my girls, nah, they need to be attached. Mm-hmm. They're not having it. They ain't with that distance. Right. Fuck all that. Mm-mm. You come home. Well, well, I tell you what, we're not going to hold you hostage here. We're we going to let you get back home to your yeah, family. My, my daughter been calling me all since we oh, were <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Royce, thank you for the time tonight, brother. Thank you for having me, Good man. To I see appreciate you, man. I Good appreciate to see y'all. you, man. You look fantastic, man. Thank you. you really thank look you, like, man. Like, like you've been training. I have like, been. Like, like I told you, like, like you got off a nice, <laughs> intimate flight, man. Nothing crazy, nothing coach, you know, nothing stressful. He's Con- Floyd Mayweather a rap. <laughs> <laughs> thank y'all, man. I appreciate it. That's 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 a that's a high compliment. That's a that's the number one guy in the last how many years would you say, Chuck? <laughs> Decade, yeah, like more, more than decade. more than yeah. that, more than a ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. fifteen. I mean, I mean, he he crossed over. I mean, we had Hopkins, we I had mean, Roy Jones, yeah, 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 okay, okay. as mega yeah, as about, mega about stars. 10. About ten, I say, okay. I say ten, I say ten, because I know Shane at welterweight. Shane was right before him. Yeah, my father. Mm-hmm. Shane was right before him. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Sweepy. Yes, indeed. No, no doubt. Sweepy. Sweepy was a. Uh, Sweepy didn't have the accolades. Well, nobody got the accolades that Floyd got. But Sweepy, skill wise, yeah, 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 yeah. You're talking about a whole nother monster, bro. Yeah, whole absolutely. nother monster. You know, boxing like well, that's, dancing. That's the difference between boxing and MMA. It's it's the, the extraness is not there with uh, boxing. Yeah, boxing. You I mean, it, it's, it's like dancing. But somebody punches you in the face. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Book Orion in stores. It's, a, it's available available uh, on all platforms on all digital platforms. <laughs> also, also in stores. You know, yeah. if you you know, but you got to say that first. If you're in your 30s and you still got that kind of equipment, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> still using that type of equipment. I personally like CD. I got CD. I got a CD changer in one of my cars. My wife got a brand new truck. She got a CD player in that. So it's not a forgotten piece of technology, right? But it's definitely looked down upon on the younger generation. CD changer. CD player, yeah, right. They streaming everything. They don't need to own music. What the fuck? For what? Right, right for what? 
you know so me i like to have mine i like i like physical copy um i still like itunes i still listen to things out of itunes that's just what i prefer sue me <laughs> I, I mean and, and, and some nice album art too so yeah, I, like, I like album art. I like reading, man. Just I like having stuff in my hand, reading it. I'm just, a, I'm still a kid, man. I like the thank yous. Yeah, I like reading mm-hmm. the thank yous. I like the thank yous. That's mm-hmm. important. All right, so Internet, you you got it from Royce the five nine, who I'm a I'm gonna call on the little Royce the six foot, but that's just me. That's just me. I feel <laughs> like Dog, I'm it. telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I just went to the doctor and got a checkup, man. I get every time it's five nine right on the dot. <laughs> So, brother, congratulations. Congratulations on all your Thank success. You, yep. Thank you. On the Book of Ryan and, and future success. I do feel that Slaughterhouse Project will come to fruition I need that. eventually. People, you know, y'all put that up in the universe, put that up in the air, and uh, it will happen for us. It's a lot of great music on there, man. A lot mm-hmm. of great music on there. All right. So we're gonna Shout out that. to the guys, too. We're going to get that. Internets. Internets. Wow. Hold up. Shout out to... Denon Porter, who's the yeah. executive producer. Oh, yes, Shout executive producer on my yep. album. He Denon, worked. Denon, what's going on? He right, yeah, he right. Yeah. He, he was right next to me like the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Like he saved my life on that album and my Layers album. Those two albums in a row. Layers. Like I was like in a in this thing where I just had so many songs, and he's able to come in and just add perspective. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you should use this one. You should use that one. Like he's an amazing producer. Mm-hmm. People just don't know. You know what I mean? So, you know, like, he's kind of like a go-to guy for me. He's like my DJ premier of Detroit. Yep. Mm. So, you know, shout out to Mr. Porter. Ant-Man, what up? Ant-Man Wonder. Ant-Man Wonder. Internet. And shout out to Chuck, too, because if it wasn't for Chuck, Slaughterhouse wouldn't form, because he, he, he lowered <laughs> me to that battle where I got my ass kicked by Mr. Fab. <laughs> you, you know what it is? I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> you know, hold, hold on. We, we got to give a shout out to Kino. We got to give a shout yes. out to Kino. We got to give a shout out to, yeah, shout to, out to, Kino. to Crystal. Yep. Gotta give a shout out to, Mike, to Mike Haron. Mike, yeah, my nigga. You know, Tracer, sh- Tracer, what up? Tracer, Tracer, yeah. 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 I always screw her name up, but she sh- knows. Shout out to all all so the people good. that have been, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, Tori. Making things happen right now for for uh, for a long time. Yep. Yeah. All right, and it does not stop. It, it don't does stop. not stop. Don't it stop. Does not stop. Internet, it's talk a texture. The world is coming to an end, and we are here to talk you through it with some civility. Good to have you in here tonight. Chuck Creekman. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Definitely. Joy the Great. Good to see you. Yes, good to be seen. Super producer A. King. How you feeling, brother? Yo, I'm elated, man. All right, fantastic. Always a pleasure when uh, when Royce is in the building. For sure. He for showed sure. me why I love when I, my first visit to Detroit. And uh, him and Hex Murder. I felt safe after that. Oh, shit. <laughs> Hex Murder. I don't got to check in no more. <laughs> be safe. Hex, you, Hex, you coon. You Hex. coon. <laughs> <laughs> Into Nets. Yes, sir.